Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Hello and welcome in. We go from sectional week, which is a great week here in Indiana, to conference tournament week. Another great week of college basketball ahead. And of course, we've got sectional championship games at most of our local sectionals tonight because of the high winds that really threaten things on Friday. So much of the area's basketball scene postponed for the day. And so pushing semifinals back to Saturday and championship games back to Monday evening. So we've got a full slate, basically, of big sectional championship games tonight. Indiana ekes one out in overtime. Seniors led the way on senior day, probably very fitting uh, for that. And now we know the Big Ten tournament bracket as well. And the IU women took a loss to Ohio State down like 24 points, came back, and ended up losing the game by four or five points. That was a disappointment. I thought that they might get a Big Ten championship on the women's side. But another fun week ahead. We go from sectional week to conference tournament week. March Madness is here. The NCAA tournament is still ahead. Selection Sunday set for Sunday night. It's just a great time to be a Hoosier. It's a great time to be a basketball fan uh, all the way around. So a lot of hoops coming up here this week and beyond. And We'll try our best to keep you updated on everything as we move through the month of March. Let's take a look at the show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one, news and notes from the weekend. We'll take a look at IU's win yesterday. We'll break down the Big Ten tournament bracket uh, for the men. We'll also look at some high school basketball headlines and mention tonight's matchups as well. Later in the show, it's Monday, so Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star will join We'll recap Indiana's win last night. It took overtime and a bit of a comeback by the Hoosiers to get it done. Trace Jackson Davis, Race Thompson, some of the seniors, they said their official goodbyes in front of a great crowd at Assembly Hall. And we'll also look at the Big Ten bracket with Zach as well and get his thoughts on uh, how things fared for Indiana. A lot happened yesterday that Indiana wanted to happen as far as winners and losers. Of course, first off, Indiana needed to win the game themselves at home against Michigan, but they needed some other people to lose to secure a double bye and to get uh, one of those top four seeds, and it worked out for Indiana. Real log jam in conference standings here late in the season, but uh, how things played out yesterday, really pretty remarkable for IU. 
as they will uh, get one of those double buys, coveted double buys in the Big Ten tournament. And then later in the show, Chad Gilbert, athletic director at Charlestown High School. They're hosting the 3A sectional up at Charlestown tonight. Chad is always with me on Mondays. He's a member of the IHSA executive board. We talk local sports and high school basketball, and we'll do all of that and more today with Chad when he is with us today. And uh, we'll recap over the weekend, uh, Friday, well, really no Friday, but Saturday semifinals, and uh, get get a little preview to uh, some of the championship games here in the area tonight. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service is still available as well at Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. Also, the uh, Thornton's text line is open. Love to hear from you. Love to get your thoughts on IU yesterday. Are you going to a sectional final tonight? What did you think about the Big Ten tournament bracket? Can Indiana, can they win it? Can, can they get to the championship game? I'd love to know your thoughts. The number 502-414-1450. Again, the Thornton's text line number is 502-414-1450. Right now you can get a free sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit, a bacon, egg, and cheese croissant, or a steak and egg burrito, and any fountain drink, tea, or fizz freeze, or 20-ounce bottled soda when you become a new Refreshing Rewards member. Simply download the app and and register today for Refreshing Rewards to earn your free breakfast on Thornton's. And let's get into some of the headlines from last night. It was not a great performance by Indiana, uh, up and down for sure, but Indiana found a way to force overtime. Indiana found a way to win it in overtime, maybe playing their best basketball of the day in overtime. Michigan really good to start the second half. Uh, and turned a a Michigan team that once trailed by 14 points in the first half into a 12-point lead in Assembly Hall uh, in the second half of that game. But Indiana fought through the adversity, and this Indiana team, are they kind of getting an identity of a team that can grind it out, that can find a way to win close games, that when their back is against the wall and they're put in a tough situation, whether it be at home or on the road, they're winning some of those games. I mean, that's what they've done the last few weeks. Uh, Indiana's never really done that in recent years. They've always folded when the pressure was the toughest. Uh, but maybe that's a benefit for this team as they enter a tough Big Ten tournament coming up and obviously the NCAA tournament as well. And when you talk about senior night, obviously you, you would like to highlight the night with Trace Jackson Davis uh, and that's exactly what happened. He had a game-high 27 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 steals, 2 block shots in 44 minutes. I think he basically played the uh, entire game, including the overtime. So uh, for Trace, a great way to exit. Uh, he was 10 of 21 from the field, so not his most efficient night. He's had some amazingly efficient games this season as well from the field. Uh, that wasn't a, a game of that nature, probably because of Hunter Dickinson. He's got the length. He's taller than Trace Jackson Davis, obviously a tough guy to go against. But once again, TJD found a way to lead this team and continue to put up just amazing stat lines across the board. And uh, he uh, gets to help, really helped lead Indiana to this win. Thought Race Thompson was also really good as well. Um, he uh, had 16 points. He had 18 back uh, on December 20th against mid-major level Elon, but 16 his highest total in the Big Ten Conference. And um, 
also was just good all the way around uh, defensively down the stretch for the team, and I thought a very key piece to Indiana's win yesterday. And then Malik Renew, he's kind of stepped up in recent games coming off the bench, and even Tamar Bates uh, had some positives from yesterday's game. But the biggest thing from yesterday, Indiana got a double by. Uh, Penn State knocked off Maryland at, at the Bryce Jordan Center. That helped. Nebraska beat Iowa in Iowa at Carver-Hawkeye Arena. And Indiana got the win over Michigan at home uh, to secure the deal as far as getting a double bye. Now that the Big Ten bracket is set, let's pull it up. Let's take a look at it. Uh, the bottom half of the bracket, Indiana obviously does not play on Wednesday or Thursday. Their opening game will be on Friday it will be an evening game. Northwestern in the first game that night will take on the winner of either 7-seed Illinois or 10-seed Penn State. Indiana will likely get 6-seeded Maryland. Maryland on Thursday will get the winner of 11-seed Nebraska or 14-seed Minnesota. So it could be a good deal. It could be in Illinois Northwestern. They've had some outstanding games this season in that night session. It's a 5.30 Central time, so 6.30 Eastern time on Friday night. And then, of course, Indiana and Maryland could be the second game later in the evening. Uh, so it's set up. I, I like Indiana and Maryland, the matchup for the Hoosiers. Maryland has, at times here recently, played some good basketball. I think Indiana gets to that semifinal, and I really – for whatever reason, I, I like the matchup of Indiana and Northwestern better than Illinois. I know some of you might disagree with that, but I don't know that Il, Il, that Northwestern will will beat Illinois. Uh, but I would like that or prefer that matchup. I think if you're looking at the best path for the Hoosiers to get to the championship game, and then of course coming out of the top half of the bracket, Purdue also a double bye as well as Michigan State. Uh, you know, very easily could be Purdue in the championship game. You would think it would be a Purdue-Michigan State or a Purdue-Iowa uh, semifinal game uh, on Saturday. That's a noon game. Indiana, if they're in the semifinal, would be an afternoon, a little bit later afternoon game. So all set up for an interesting week. You know, there's just so many storylines in the Big Ten Conference. I look at Iowa, and maybe it's just because they play so darn good against Indiana, or maybe it's that last performance in Assembly Hall where they really dominated the Hoosiers, but I can see them making a run. I know people are down on Rutgers. I read something this morning that they are on the bubble again for the NCAA tournament. I think they've lost like six of their last seven or maybe even seven of, the, of their last eight games. That doesn't seem like the Rutgers team that we saw earlier in the season, a Rutgers team that's been hot in the Big Ten really the last couple of years, but I I like them. I could see them if they get back to how they played some months ago to being a team that can get to that uh, semifinal game or even championship game. And then, of course, the bottom half, I like Indiana's chances, but uh, Maryland and then Northwestern or Illinois in back-to-back days, just those two games before you even think about who the championship opponent could be, could set up a really good week of basketball. Uh, it's going to be fun. I mean, all these games will be good. I mean, think about this, Wisconsin – is a 12 seed. Uh, Ohio State at one time was thought to be a team that would be at the top or near the top of the conference with Indiana and Purdue this year. <clears throat> they are the 13 seed in the conference. Only Minnesota at 14 is behind them. And so they're just interesting things all over this bracket. And I think all of us that watch these Indiana games, go to games, follow the conference, know 
how tough the Big Ten is, and this tournament is going to be outstanding. It's that way every year. Uh, it's going to be really outstanding and really competitive, and whoever gets the job done, if Indiana could do it, if Indiana could get to the championship game, if Indiana could win it, they are going to help their seed even more. They've you know, there have been some moments where you wonder what's going on, but overall the wins over Purdue and uh, other wins here in the last month have really helped their seeding. Uh, a couple things they've slipped up on, like that Iowa game, I, I don't know how big of a deal that is when you look at the overall picture, but if Indiana could could go to the final, I think, uh, or even win it, that, that would greatly, greatly help their NCAA seed. And a lot of people have them as a five seed, maybe a six. I think the ceiling is probably a four, I think, for this team. Uh, but Indiana in a much different position. This is something I, I want you to think about. Indiana is in a much different position this March for this Big Ten tournament in the conference standings and just the overall feeling about this team, their ability to grind it out, their ability to win games against tough opponents uh, than they have been for years. I mean, really, for years. This is the best feeling that Indiana fans have closing out February and entering March for a number of seasons. There isn't question if they're going to get in the NCAA tournament or not. Uh, they are at the top of the conference. They are in that top group. They are one of the teams that people are talking about as far as a Big Ten tournament winner, possibly, and somebody that could make some noise in the NCAA tournament. It's just totally different than what the storylines generally around this team and this program have been here in early March. It's always, are they going to get in? And how many do they got to win in Chicago to have a chance to get in? It's just not that this year. So it's different, and it's good. And if you're an Indiana fan, hopefully you're enjoying this. And hopefully you're enjoying Trace Jackson Davis. And hopefully uh, you enjoyed that last game at Assembly Hall because, boy, he is special. And uh, hard to believe that kid at Center Grove that I saw as a freshman that was a little awkward and just real tall and not the best skilled of players at that point. It's hard to believe where he's come now as a senior at Indiana. And uh, I hope that his future includes the NBA. I hope he gets a shot. I think he's helped himself overall this season. There are still some parts of his game, the perimeter and some of the things in the NBA that it requires. I don't know that he has or that could hurt him, I think, ultimately when it comes to a draft spot or a long-term situation in the NBA. But he has been so good for Indiana. And I think as you look back at the resurgence to a certain degree of this program, I know there's so much that could happen next year with he and others gone and the transfer portal is so different now in college basketball. But as you look back at this good season, we'll see if it continues from here. I think Trace Jackson Davis is definitely the signature of this year as we officially head into postseason play now that the regular season is over and Indiana has recorded an overtime win or did record an overtime win on Sunday night over Michigan. So a couple quick high school notes, and then we'll get to a break and get to our first guest. But 4A at Seymour, great, great semifinal games. Jeff and Jennings County, a fantastic game, a fast-paced game. The Panthers are good. They have had their backs against the wall. They put themselves in a tough situation. The Tuesday semifinal and the or the Tuesday first round game and the Saturday semifinal, but somehow, some way, they have returned from big deficits uh, and sometimes multiple times in the same game, like that Bedford Jennings County game. But Jennings County was down thirty-one sixteen 
at halftime to Jeff. Jeff was playing good, playing loose, hitting some outside shots. Uh, everything seemed to be going well for the Red Devils. Their defense on Jennings County had been very sufficient enough to to get the job done, but we knew and we said it at halftime on the halftime report, do not count out this Jennings County team. I don't care if they're down 15, 20, 25, with the way they can shoot it and the heart that they have, do not count out this Jennings County team. And not only did we uh, have to, we didn't have to wait long for them to make a comeback. They came back out of the gate to start the second half and got it down within a reasonable margin. And from there, it was nip and tuck the rest of the way. But 48-46, the final score. Uh, Jennings County, the odds-on favorite to win the Seymour sectional tonight. In that bottom half of the bracket, New Albany, who's very mediocre this year, beat a very mediocre Floyd Central team on Tuesday night, albeit still a good win for Jim Shannon in his final season leading the Bulldogs. You don't want to go out with a loss to your rival, especially when both of you are just mediocre at best this season. Then on Friday night, another okay team, average team, we'll say, and Seymour, who is 10-13 and 13 now to finish the season, but they had been playing better basketball in recent games, and they can slow it down, and they guard you, and they're disciplined. Just a tough team to, to play against, and if you're a fan uh, and you're used to some up and down, it, it's probably going to not be the type of game that you are typically used to seeing and maybe enjoy. So New Albany had to battle through that got down by as many as six in the second half, really seemed to be dead offensively. They just couldn't score, weren't getting a lot of shots the way the game was going. But Jordan Treat, a sophomore, really helped them to the victory. He had 17 points. New Albany got some play from two sophomore guards, but Treat and Ryland Shrink, who's starting with Tommy Devine's injury. He had 11 points in double figures, and New Albany found a way to get it done. Justin Carter had two points. They came in the second half uh, for New Albany. Uh, he's the senior that you think would be explosive and could put up some big numbers. Maybe he will tonight, but he has not done so in the first two games of the sectional. The sophomores have really helped lead the way. Treats had a really good sectional. And so New Albany hangs on, wins 36-31. Tonight, Jennings County on paper, a big favorite there, but we'll see if Coach Shannon has any tricks up his sleeve. We'll see if Justin Carter and company, the sophomores as well, can come out and play loose and score some points and hit some big shots. But it should be an interesting final in Seymour. But Jennings County, the odds on favorite to win it. I tell you, a sectional championship game tonight that I think could be really good Borden and Rock Creek. Rock Creek is playing good basketball. They started the sectional earlier in the week with a win over Christian Academy. They blew past Lanesville. That was no surprise on Saturday night in a semifinal. Borden's had some competitive games. They eked past Host West Washington on Tuesday. They too got a nice win on Saturday night, 61-44 over South Central. Borden's the favorite, but Rock Creek is playing good basketball. That should be a good championship game tonight. You know, Rock Creek's record, they've got nine wins uh, after two wins in the sectional, but they play bigger schools. They take on all comers, so that record, if they played really a 1A, 2A schedule, would probably be much better than what it is uh, as it's listed now. But uh, So that's 1A. I think that game could be tremendous tonight. New Washington is in the sectional championship tonight in their own sectional, so the Mustangs have a chance to advance at uh, Charlestown. Scottsburg is the big favorite, but Corden's had a great year. Uh, that's an interesting 3A final. We'll talk with Chad Gilbert about that a little bit later in the program. And then, of course, in 2A, over at Southwestern, Brownstown is the favorite after they got past Providence on 
Saturday night in a semifinal. We had that game as well. John Spears and I went back and forth between Seymour and Southwestern on Saturday night. Had a lot of fun doing so. The Pioneers so close. There was a very controversial call, according to many, at the end of the game. I guess you would call it a a loose ball foul on a rebound uh, that some think was, you know, it's hard to tell on film. There's been a couple angles that I've seen, but that gave Brownstown the opportunity to shoot two free throws with .9 seconds left in the game. Uh, Instead of the game going on to overtime, Brownstown hit both of them and knocked off the defending state champions in 2A, the Providence Pioneers. But what an environment Southwestern was. Uh, packed house, great crowd, wonderful ball game. As expected, Providence has a great game plan and played tremendous defense against a very potent Brownstown offense. And Jack Benner, they were able to slow him down, especially in the first half of play. But Providence ultimately comes up just short. And I tell you what, we're, we're counting on some of these teams tonight, like Borden or Rock Creek, you're guaranteed to get a local team. New Washington could be a winner tonight. Uh, New Albany, I think, an uphill battle against Jennings County tonight. But uh, we, we're in a, a situation where we possibly won't have many team, many local teams from Clark or Floyd County in regional. So there's been years where um, every local sectional uh, is won by a local team, but that's not the case this year. And so we'll see if uh, Borden or Rock Creek, one of those is definitely going to get it done. We'll see if New Washington can find a way tonight. And then, of course, Jennings County and New Albany, the Bulldogs, with that big challenge up in Seymour tonight. But uh, odd to have sectional championship games on Monday. Somebody asked me, you know, has that happened before? I do remember. Remember uh, a time when sectionals, I believe, one time on a Monday, at least at Seymour, uh, for I think I think it was snow, and uh, then also remember um, obviously the regional. I can remember at least once when it was a Monday night uh, championship game or, or split over Monday Tuesday. I think at Seymour for the old style regional. So, but that's a look at our headlines. IU high school. We didn't even get to the IU women. Their disappointing loss over Ohio State on Saturday, but we'll catch up on them a little bit later in the show. Stay with us. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star is next. Also, Chad Gilbert ahead as well. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. You know, a basketball hero around here is treated like a god. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a southern Indiana perspective. You know, most people would kill to be treated like a god just for a few moments. Here's Matt Dennison. We're back on this Monday edition of the program. Don't forget the Thornton's text line is open, the number 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450 if you want to sound off on the Hoosiers or local sports. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star joins the show right now. Zach, a very fitting end to the Assembly Hall career for Trace Jackson Davis. It wasn't his most efficient game, but he once again helped lead Indiana with a big stat line and a big performance as they find a way to get a very important win to close out the Big Ten regular season in overtime against Michigan yesterday. Yeah, 
it was a tough game. Um, you know, I think from from Indiana's perspective, obviously, after Iowa, you were probably looking for, for some sort of response. Um, I think Michigan is a, a bit misleading in terms of, you know, I, I, I understand people who sort of saw Michigan and thought, well, that's a, you know, that's a bubble team. That's probably an NIT team. Why are you struggling so much with them at home? I'd point out if you look at basically Michigan's results from the start of February, they've, they've beaten Northwestern on the road. Um, they're 6-4 and four in 10 games. They've beaten Northwestern on the road, Michigan State at home, Rutgers on the road, uh, Wisconsin at home. Their four losses were the, the, the home game to Indiana, uh, a road game at Wisconsin, and overtime, a double overtime loss at Illinois, and then the overtime loss to, to IU. This is a Michigan team that, that really is not going to make the tournament largely because of what it, it didn't do in November and December. The loss to Arizona State, the loss to North Carolina, obviously the loss at home to Central Michigan in December. But it's, it, it's a team with at least two first-round draft picks on its roster. It's a team that's got a, a kind of a three-man game of, of Kobe Buffkin and Jet Howard and Hunter Dickinson that will be as, as difficult kind of for anybody in the Big Ten tournament to contend with as, as any team can put on the floor. It wasn't surprising to see Michigan play well, um, I, I guess is my point. It wasn't surprising to see Michigan push back. And I think that, you know, if you had questions about Indiana's mentality after the Iowa game, really they should have been answered maybe not by winning this game, but by how Indiana won it. You know, that Michigan put a 41-15 run into Indiana in, in about the middle 15, 16 minutes of that game. To give up that many points in such a short, short space of time is very ugly, and it's, it's problematic, and we can have conversations about, you know, how Indiana can match up against teams that can put that kind of talent on the floor. But on the other hand, after seeing Indiana capitulate against Iowa the way we did on Tuesday night, to see Indiana dig in and fight back when things got ugly against Michigan, and if you look at, like, the, the, the Ken Palm win probability charts, I think Michigan's win probability crested somewhere around, like, 86% just inside the 10-minute mark. Um, but, you know, if you, you even go inside of two minutes, it was it was still about 75% at one point within the – the last couple minutes of the game, um, Indiana deserves a lot of credit, I think, for the way it dug in. And and for just the total team contributions, you talked about Trace Jackson Davis. I thought he was obviously very good. Um, Jalen Hushafino had a good game. Race Thompson, those, those missed free throws notwithstanding, he had 16 points, 10 rebounds, his best game in a while. I thought Tamar Bates, you know, I, I mean, I know his shot selection can still confound people. He had a couple big threes, and quietly, um, a guy who has struggled, defensively this season was basically the reason Kobe Buskin got removed from the game. Kobe Buskin was playing very well, but Galloway was struggling with foul trouble. Galloway had some good minutes on him, but Buskin was the one that, or excuse me, Bates was the one that really locked up Buskin in crunch time and took Buskin out of that game. Um, I just thought it was a game that was largely a credit to Indiana and, and you know, a, a solid way to sort of remind itself of what it can be um, heading into the business end of this month. Talking with Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star, you know, just in general uh, for IU fans, number one, but for people like us that cover the IU team on a regular basis as well, and really anybody around the state that's a basketball fan, 
uh, this time of year is so much better when IU is a meaningful part of what's going on right now. They're a team that has an opportunity to win and a legitimate opportunity at that to win the Big Ten tournament and be a real player this week in Chicago. And obviously they're in the NCAA tournament. They should have a very reasonable seed at worst in the NCAA tournament. It's just a lot different feel this time of year. It's got to be totally different for IU diehards that have waited for this team to get off of the bubble and to have a breakthrough season. Indiana's been able to do that, and it's it's just a different feel here in March for anybody connected, I think, with this Hoosier team. Yeah, and I, I understand why maybe some fans have had a hard time letting go of, of the last four or five years, and, and even just last year, you know, the kind of the number of times it seemed like this team pulled the rug out from underneath itself at this time of year. We talked a lot about, you know, at the start of February, about Indiana's record in February games. Um, it has not been very good. February, even if you kind of include March, you know, last year wasn't great. Even if they were playing better basketball by March, they, they weren't winning games, at least in the regular season. Of course, they, they tore off a couple key wins in the Big Ten tournament. Um, but, you know, Indiana, the previous three, four, five years had really floundered through February. And when we looked at this team's schedule, you know, even before the season started, before we knew anything about any of these teams, and of course, you know, Northwestern was better than we thought, Ohio State was a lot worse than we thought, that that always happens. There's always some variance in there. But we said Indiana had better make hay while the sun shines in January because February onward is going to be very difficult. And from February onward, that's when Indiana played Michigan twice. That's when it went to Michigan State. That's when it played Purdue twice. Um, it, it had its second game with Illinois in that stretch. It turned out Northwestern was a much tougher road trip than we, we expected it would be. Um, and to its credit, you know, while obviously Indiana's 3-3 three and three in its last six games, if you start at the beginning of February, Indiana's 6-3. That's a strong close to a nine-game stretch of the season that looked very difficult even before the season started and, and probably, I would argue, got harder. You know, there's no Wisconsin in that stretch. There's no Minnesota. There's no Ohio State. There's no Nebraska. Um, you know, the, the, the bottom four teams in the league, effectively, you didn't see any of them from February 1st onward. And Indiana still finished 6-3 and three and, and picked up a couple of key wins along the way to win at Michigan, both wins against Purdue, holding serve at home against an understrength Illinois team. Um, this is a team that I would be surprised at this point, as long as they don't bomb in the Big Ten tournament, and we'll see who they play, because, the, you know, it is possible, for example, they could face the Nebraska and maybe a game that would hurt them a little bit more if they lost it. But as long as they don't just face Clint in Chicago, I, I think this is a team we're talking about as a top-four seed that's protected. How protected will it be? We'll find out. By the time you get down to the fours, sometimes it can be hard to really protect locations, but... Um, at very least, it's, it's going to be a team that I think is going to be in the four-seed line in all likelihood. It's going to be a team with a decent path to the second weekend. And especially in a season like this where we look around and we don't really feel like we see, you know, just just a clutch of invulnerable teams in college basketball, um, you know, if you get to the second weekend, you give yourself a chance. And if you get to the second weekend with a one-two punch, like Jalen Richardino and Trace Jackson Davis, you really give yourself a chance. And so I think if you're Indiana, you know, these next two days are about resting up, getting to Chicago, playing a little bit freer, playing a little bit looser. 
I also, and I'm, I'm rambling a bit here, and forgive me, the, the Roomba runs by my office door, so if there's a little <laughs> bit of that, I apologize. But um, there are a lot of teams in college basketball, and I think Indiana is one, that kind of hit Valentine's Day and just sort of need the postseason to start. And, and what I mean is, you know, by Valentine's Day, we knew Indiana was comfortably in the tournament field. We knew they were going to do what it would take to get a, a four seed, a five seed at worst. We knew they probably weren't going to win the Big Ten. You know, you could talk about some individual awards races. Trace Jackson Davis pushing for Big Ten Player of the Year. Jalen Richardino pushing for Big Ten Freshman of the Year, and so on. But ultimately, as a team, Indiana had kind of proven itself. And, and this happens to a number of teams through the course of the season. Well, it almost feels like they just need the tournament to start, where, where it's sort of like there's, there's not much left for them to achieve in the regular season. They just, they, they've just got to get to March and prove themselves or not. And um, I think Indiana's one of those teams, and I think it's going to be really interesting and instructive to see them up in Chicago, where I think they've got great ambitions of winning the Big Ten tournament, as you talked about. But at the same time, they can play with a certain level of freedom up there. You know, they don't have to go to the Big Ten tournament like they had the last couple of years thinking, boy, we better get some wins here. Um, we, you know, we, we, we better start grinding out some results or we're going to be in trouble. They can go up there playing free and playing, you know, basically more with opportunities than, than, than with risk or with peril. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how they perform up there. Talking with Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star here on this Monday show, we've got to talk about Xavier Johnson. It was announced before the game on Sunday, I think actually it came out sometime midday on Saturday, that uh, he would not be returning to the Indiana team this season. Uh, I know that surprised a lot of people because he's been going through these pregame workouts, dunking the basketball, and regularly putting out tweets about his return is near and uh, using different wording to indicate he's ready to come back and wanting to come back. Can you give us any insight into that announcement, and could there be something uh, more to it where maybe Xavier can get a medical redshirt out of this thing by not coming back and return another year at Indiana? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, it is an interesting one. And I think that, you know, to be fair, the, um, the, uh, uh, the, the mood music had started changing towards sort of like, if, it, if he's not going to come back soon, then how are you going to fit him in? Are you going to be able to get him in and up to speed? Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, get him in and, and up to speed, um, in a short space of time when you've got quick turnarounds like the Big Ten Tournament, you've kind of got, you know, you're, I mean, it, it, it's interesting to me, Indiana's rotation is, is pretty much set in, in a, a very hardened way. If you look at Ken Pomeroy's, Ken Pomeroy keeps a, um, a really interesting uh, sort of stat that says most frequent lineups over the last five games. Indiana is running its starting five out. 41.5% of the time. That is a huge number. I mean, by comparison, if you look at, like, uh, other Big Ten teams, Purdue starting five has played 18% uh, of, of possible minutes over its last five games. Michigan State starting five has played almost 21% of minutes over its last five games. Um, I'm just I'm pulling these out of whatever at this point, but Maryland's starting five has played about 20, a little under 29% of possible minutes this last five games. The, you know, Mike Woodson is leaning hard on those starters, and then behind him, or behind them, I should say, 
Um, Indiana's top six lineups include some some variation of those starting five plus Jamar Bates and Malik Renew. It's a very hard sort of cap at seven players. You get a little Caleb Banks at the back end if you really dig down. Um, but we haven't seen much of Jordan Geronimo. Obviously, he's been hurt, but, I mean, he's played – he has played – 20 minutes over Indiana's last six games, and only one of those he wasn't dressed for. He did dress and warm up for the Michigan game. Maybe he wasn't available. He did not dress for the Iowa game. Um, my point here is Indiana has clearly tightened its rotation up, and, and this is, you know, it's, it's kind of a seven plus one for Mike Woodson at this point. He goes to Banks, I think, primarily when he wants to steal minutes for somebody guarding a wing or when he's looking for an injection of some energy. Um, other than that, it's that tight seven, you know, base the guard off the bench, renew the, the forward off the bench. And so there was always this question that was building of how do you fit Xavier Johnson back in? And I think that, um, I think that, you know, just to be quite frank, it, it would have been difficult. And when you couple that with maybe any setbacks he might have felt from ramping up his, his activity level, um, you can kind of understand where maybe this decision came from. Now, I think the interesting piece is going to be the waiver. You know, normally there have been two criteria around a medical hardship waiver. Um, one is that a player has cannot have participated in more than 30% of his team's games. Uh, Johnson has. He's played in 11 games. The Kansas game counts. It's not complete. It's not games completed or total minutes played. It's just, it's just games you appear in. Um, and that's, I think, about 35% of the season. I'm, I'm unclear on whether the postseason would count in that, but I think even if you did the math, if you, if you strung it out, Indiana would have to pick 37 games for 11 games to be under 30% of, of this season. So that's unlikely to, to factor in either way unless Indiana makes a really deep run in one of one or both of its, its upcoming tournaments. Um, the other piece is that Johnson can't have appeared in back half of the season, um, which obviously that does fit. Now, there are some qualifiers to this. One, for example, in the past, the committee has, or not the committee, the NCAA's sort of waiver process has not always looked favorably upon players who, A, transferred, or B, got extra years somewhere else. Johnson was already using his COVID year. On the other hand, we obviously live in sort of an era of player empowerment, athlete welfare, athlete rights, and, and, and opportunities. And, you know, the, I think that the NCAA has probably been a lot more lenient lately in terms of granting those sorts of things. I think somebody pointed out that Jordan Bohannon got uh, an extra year um, when he was when he had clearly gone over the 30% threshold of his team's games in terms of total games played um, in, in the year that he asked for the to, to cover the, the hardship waiver. So it'll be interesting to see that process unfold. Johnson did not go through Senior Day Sunday, so clearly it's on his mind to try and return. Um, and he's obviously also the sort of player that if he comes back. You know, there's going to be a lot of possessions for him to use. He's going to be the alpha. Um, there's going to be, I would imagine, some really good NIL opportunities, et cetera. Um, but it will be interesting to see kind of how Indiana and Xavier Johnson navigate that 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 hardship process because it's it's going to be – I don't think it's cut and dry in either sense, frankly. All right, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. Good stuff, fun week ahead. The Big Ten Tournament in Chicago I think will be crazy and appreciate the chat. We'll uh, we'll talk with you next week when it's all wrapped up and Selection Sunday is in the books, and we'll see at that point where this Indiana team is headed. Thank you, Zach. Sounds good.
All right, uh, we'll head to a commercial break. One more segment coming up. Chad Gilbert, athletic director at Charlestown High School and IHSA executive board member. We'll talk about sectional championship games tonight. We'll recap some of the things from a high school perspective over the weekend as well. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back on this Monday program. Let's start on the Thornton's text line. Texter says, Jennings County is a good team, but don't count those dogs out. If they put one big game together, they could win tonight in Seymour. Thank you for the text. I agree, but I do think a tough challenge ahead tonight for Jim Shannon and the Bulldogs. Chad Gilbert, athletic director at Charlestown High School, host of the 3A sectional. They've got a good final tonight, Scottsburg and Corden joins us now. Chad is also a member of the IHSA Executive Board. A little different, Chad, with weather issues on Friday, forcing semifinals to be in our area at least on Saturday. And of course, championship games at most of the area sectionals tonight on Monday. But I'll tell you what, between wind and tornado concerns in southern Indiana and then snow in the northern part of the state, there's a lot of sectional championship games statewide on this Monday night. Matt, if you think way back when, when we were talking about the girls' basketball sectional, the one thing we talked about that would come into play is the weather. And it's not over with yet, man. I've been in the state finals before where it's snowing outside. So we're not out of this yet. However, we made the right call by not playing on Friday night, playing two on Saturday and one tonight. Um, Safety doesn't take a day off. You want to make sure that, one – Everyone is safe at your venue, either, and that's coming to, going from, and during. Two, you want to make sure you have no issues. Could you imagine playing a game, Matt, and the electricity goes off, and you got to rile everybody back in for the next time? And then, you know, the last thing that comes into play this year a little bit is three, it's only a one-game regional. So coaches don't have to prepare, you know, all this week for the possible of three different opponents. You're, pre- you're preparing for one opponent on Saturday. You know, every coach who's played, they're not practicing today. You can guarantee they're taking Monday off. And I'm not so sure the guys who played tonight shouldn't take off Tuesday. Because, you know, I can remember when I coached, man, I've been out 10 years now. We would meet for regional meetings, and everybody would bring their DVDs or their VHS tapes. We'd swap tapes on the way home. You'd drive to Columbus, or you drive here, you drive there to get videotapes of your regional opponents. Now, with all and everything, you just exchange them over the Internet, and uh, it, it runs smooth. So, I don't see it being a big deal. Any advantage to anybody? No. I just think it was the right move, and hopefully tonight we got some really good games. Absolutely. Let's start uh, with your game. Really, all the locals from Clark and Floyd are already out at Charlestown, but Scottsburg, Chad, I've not seen them much this season live and in person, but they have been shooting the ball at a fantastic clip. Did they have like 17 threes on Saturday night? 
Well, Matt, you know we've got the best shooting gym in the state. <laughs> 44 threes were hit Saturday night. Wow. Now, you heard that. You heard that right. 44 threes wow. between the four teams were hit Saturday night. So, you know, it was raining threes in the Charlestown Sports Arena at the Pirate Palace, and I look forward to do the same thing tonight. you got two great teams. You know, Corden is 19-5. and five. Uh, Scottsburg is tw- or 20-5. and five. So, you, you know, you got two teams that are battling out. Scottsburg got them by about 16 during the season, so you don't think Corden's not going to be ready to avenge that loss? Look for a great game tonight and a great crowd here. All right, Seymour, your thoughts on that game. Jennings County, I think everybody had pegged as the slight favorite going into the week, and they have really had their backs up against the wall, came back twice against Bedford, once to force overtime and then once to win it in double overtime. Uh, But New Albany has put together some decent games lately against Floyd and Seymour. The big question is, can New Albany find a way somehow to keep this one nip and tuck and maybe come out on top at the end? I think it's a a tough assignment for the Bulldogs. Matt, we looked at this sectional going in. And we thought Jennings County was the favorite, but we knew they were going to have to earn it. But we didn't think they were going to earn it like this. You want to talk about getting their back against the wall both games and coming out and finding a way to win? Woo! That's something that, uh, you know, says a lot about their character, their willingness to win, and their ability to come back from a big deficit. You know, I watched both those games, and I thought they were dead in the water. Um, you know, for Bedford, that's a hard loss. For Jeff, that's a hard loss to give up those types of leads. But for James County, those got to be momentum builders going in moving forward. New Albany, uh, Matt, you and I both know you don't have to be the better team. You just have to be the better team that night. I wouldn't guess New Albany's going to play inspired basketball. You know, uh, Coach Shannon is uh, playing in the sectional championship like a Hall of Fame coach would. Uh, you know they want to play extra good for him tonight and have him go out winning the sectional championship. So you never know. You know, I would think on paper that Jennings County would be, would win big. But, again, like you said, you just got to be – like we said earlier, you just got to be the best team on that night. So it will be interesting up at Seymour to see what happens. All right, Chad Gilbert, my guest. We've also got a 1A game of interest. Borden and Rock Creek were guaranteed a uh, Clark County winner in that one. And tell you what, Rock Creek, they knocked off Christian Academy to get the week started back on Tuesday and breeze past Lanesville. They are playing good ball. Their record is a little deceiving. They've only got nine wins heading into tonight's championship game, but they play so many 4A, 3A, and challenging games that I think the record is very much deceiving. Borden is the favorite, but Rock Creek is playing really well. That should be a great matchup, Matt. You know, we don't play Rock Creek, so I'm not that familiar. But I was kind of like you looking at their schedule. They played a lot of 3 and 4A teams, and I wondered if they had a kid who was hurt or something that just came back. Um, Borden, on the other hand, uh, we have watched them. We played them this season. A very good team. Coach Nash does an excellent job. His son is an excellent player. That will be a great game, that 1A game. And if I remember last year, Borden upset Rock Creek in the sectional. So I'm sure the, uh, Rock Creek has that in the back of their mind going into tonight's game as well. So that should be a great game. All right, Chad Gilbert, my guest, talking some high school basketball. Chad, we go from a great week of sectional week, which I know is a favorite for you and I. Of course, this year a little different with games bumped to Monday, but now we get into the high major conference tournaments. We've had a lot of talk about Indiana and the Big Ten tournament in Chicago this week. Uh, Just back-to-back great weeks, and there's even more ahead with Selection Sunday and the NCAA tournament. It's just a great time to be a Hoosier. 
Oh, it is a great time, man. You think about starting this week about Wednesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, great games. You know, if you can't get out to the regional, you can get them on the IHSA TV and kind of flip back and forth. <clears throat> These are going to be outstanding conference games. Matt, to me, the conference games are as good as week one just because everybody's playing for seeding, playing for a championship, and trying to get in the best possible position they can to win in the NCAA tournament. Couple that with next week when you have a semi-state format of two games in the morning, one in the evening, and then second-round games of the NCAA March Madness. Wow. We've had a great couple weeks here, Matt, and I know you and I are excited about it. Yeah, a lot of fun. Chad is with me on Mondays. We put the focus on local sports and high school basketball here in southern Indiana. Enjoy your championship game tonight. Good job on hosting the sectional. I know you've had great crowds in that great gymnasium, and we'll talk with you next Monday. Matt, I appreciate it. Thanks for everything you do for Southern Indiana Sports. Thanks for the run. All right, appreciate it greatly. That's going to wrap things up for this Monday show. We'll have the Seymour sectional championship game tonight, pregame coverage around 640. John Spears is on the broadcast tonight. I've got a conflict, so John gets to have the big 4-8 title game tonight. All right, I'll talk with you Tuesday here at 11 o'clock. This is the Hoosier Report.